Hello and welcome to Better Words. My name is Caitlin and I'm just a bookish babe. I'm Michelle and I vlog at the Unfinished Bookshelf. Welcome. Thank you for joining us. Oh, no, we're not doing that. Sorry. Okay. Radio. (laughs) I forgot about that. No, I was just going to be like, welcome. Thank you for joining us. I don't really know what else to say. Thanks for listening, everybody. This is like, we've been doing this for a while, actually. I was thinking about this Mm. today. It's like February. It's the end of February. I don't know. We've just been doing this a while. Longer than I thought that we would. (laughs) Gee, thanks. No, I, I thought that it'd like... I don't, I don't know. I didn't think it would be, not that it's like a raging success, but I didn't think it would be successful enough for us to continue putting this much time and effort into it. And I'm really happy that it is. Oh, yeah. Me but too. But, like, I just wasn't expecting people to like it as much as they do. So, Oh, yeah. yeah, I guess so. I mean, I didn't really mean for the conversation to go to this way, but we do really appreciate all of your feedback and we are so humbled. Yeah, we totally didn't direct this conversation. Yeah. This no, I, I just, I think I always expect that, the worst from things. Hey, Jack. Hey, Jack. <laughs> I'm going to go. Okay. Okay. Bye. bye. <laughs> <laughs> so Jack's going to the gym. Um, yeah. Just oh, so you know. Everyone, Jack is doing a charity run, uh, which he's barely trained for, um, at the start of March, which is on Thursday. He has to do 10Ks a day for 10 days. Oh, my God. I know. Let's put the link in. Why? Please donate if you feel it's for uh, sick children, but I don't know what the charity is. I was going to say that's very vague. <laughs> I know it's very vague because I've forgotten what the actual name of the challenge is, but he did it last year and um, he did it right before we met. So so is he just like exhausted when you first met? Yeah, he'd done 100 <laughs> yeah. kilos in 10 days. And I was just like, well, I don't like running. Uh, yeah. <laughs> so, this isn't going to work out. Yeah. No, <laughs> this will never work. Uh, no, I'm kidding. But, yeah. yeah. So he's um, not trained overly for that. So we'll see how this one goes this yeah. year. Yeah. All right. But we will be celebrating with a massive meal for our anniversary a few days later. So. Oh, that's awesome. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, oh, that's, that's anyway. really off topic because we actually had some exciting news that we wanted to announce. We do. I forgot about that. Drum roll. We were like, a, yes, drum roll. We are starting Better Words Book Club. Woo! So um, you might actually need to explain this a bit better. Oh, well, we're going to have a full post up on Instagram with a, a bit more detail. But the basic premise is we will pick a book that we want to read each month like every other book club. Yeah, possibly not. Every single month, yeah, we'll it see will. What happens. It will depend. But we have one for March, so that's yeah, what like our first. We've picked our first two based on books that we are really excited are being released mm-hmm. in those months, and we want to celebrate them and celebrate their authors who have been guests on this podcast. So there's your clue. Try and figure it out <laughs> because we love those authors a lot, and we just want to support them as much as possible. Um, so we will reveal our first guest and our first. Uh, book tomorrow on Instagram. Yes, because this episode airs on Wednesday. So if you're listening, then tomorrow on Thursday, Thursday, the 1st of March. Yes. Um, So we will reveal who it is. But the idea is we will hope that each month we pick a book. uh, We will will read it. We will read it. And then at the end of the month, we'll have like a a Twitter chat um, with the author and us. Um, talking about the book. Yes, and it will be a 
spoilery Twitter. Like we're not going. I, I don't want to go full spoilers, but I also don't want to. Yeah, we're doing it so that you can talking. read the book first, yeah, so and then we'll discuss. The if book. you haven't read the book, probably. Maybe Be don't. cautious. Although I heard a really interesting fact on this new show I found on TV called Duck Quacks Don't Echo. And the interesting fact is that Duck Quacks Don't Echo. That well, is awesome. Yes. But the interesting wow. fact that I learned, like I learned a lot of interesting facts on this, but the interesting fact is that people enjoy something more when it is spoiled for them, which goes oh. against everything that we think, but they did test it. And it were like the, I, the hypothesis was proven correct. I tend to agree. And I think this is a perfect segue for something that I did want to talk about. Excellent. So stay tuned on Instagram. Yeah. So we all know and have heard of Gossip Girl. Yes. Lots of us loved Gossip Girl. I never. X-O-X-O. Exactly. Oh, my God. <laughs> the other day. Don't you just do it every time I comes on? I do it all the time. I'm always like, where has she been? Sorry. Um. Every, um the other day and this who is am I? yeah the other day so not even watching gossip girl i was actually watching the flash with my brother i'm still watching it he's got like he's 15 and has a job and school so it's like hard to narrow us both down to actually watch this show together it's very upsetting anyway um we were watching it and one of the characters was just like you know you love me and XO, i was like xoxo gossip girl and he did not laugh but um what i was going to say about the senior on board yeah what I was going to say about the spoiler thing is that um, Gossip Girl finished, I think when I was in year 12. Yes, because I was in uni. Yeah, so yeah. I think that's when it finished. So I never actually watched it when I was in high school or anything. I wasn't really the exact right age, even though some of my friends did watch it. But um, so I watched it a couple of years ago on Netflix. I'm currently re-watching it, um, which, is e- which is even better. Sorry. Like the start of season two. Mm. So yeah. good. Anyway, um, but because my, some of my friends watched it, so, like, I always knew who Gossip Girl really? was. Really? Okay. I so never like, knew. Because when it was, you know, like, I guess when it actually happened and the show actually finished and people were talking about it, I, I'm pretty sure I literally remember saying to one of my friends, oh, just tell me, I don't care. And she was like, oh, it's so I always knew who It's the funny that we're was. actually not going to spoil I know. it on this. I still <laughs> caught myself and I didn't say it, but... um. I always knew who Gossip Girl was. Mm. So watching this show the first time, I like I always knew. And now watching it a second time, I'm even picking up things that I didn't pick up the first time, even yeah. though I always knew from the beginning who it anyway. was. Yeah. Interesting. It is interesting. Uh, but it was, uh, also there were so many things that I didn't know were going to happen in the series. Like, oh, you know all the famous, like the famous like lines, Black and Black. <laughs> Chuck and Blair like say to each other, it's always like That's their couple like, name. Block. I know. Block. I don't share. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> you know how they always say like, oh, um, you know, eight letters, three syllables, say yeah, three it. Words. Whatever. <laughs> say it, say I'm, it yours. I'm yours. They said that and, like it's in like the first episode of season two. I didn't yeah. realise it was like this far back. There yeah. are six seasons to this show. And then mm-hmm. I really figure it out until the end. So, mm-hmm. like, that was, yeah. There's a lot of backwards and forwards. A lot of back and forth. I mean, you know what really shocked me was, like, always Dan and Blair. Like, I didn't – I was just, like, I was shocked by that, but I liked it. But I, I was, like – I actually hmm. really like them together. Hmm. I think they're quite well suited. <laughs> 
Anyway. The problem with this show is that so many of the characters go together so well that I almost I didn't care who ended up with who. But um, anyway, enough about Gossip Girl. I have something I ha- I've been dying okay. to tell you. We actually had lunch today and I said, like, I can't tell you so many things I want to talk to you about because I'm saving it for the podcast. So let's just talk about Riverdale instead, which <laughs> is a, a chat on the podcast another time when I finish watching it, which will be full spoiler, I hope. We'll, yes. we'll do a little warning. Anyway, so... You love Brooklyn Nine-Nine. Yes, I do. Have you watched Popstar yet? No. It's so good. I I watched it last night. I love it so much. So it's on Netflix. It's it's Popstar, Never Stop, Never Stopping. And it's by Andy Samberg. I thought it was a movie. It's actually a mockumentary. Oh, that's amazing. Which makes it 10 million times better. Yeah. Can I just tell you some of the people who have cameos in it? Yes. Justin Timberlake. Oh, fab. Love him. Usher. Oh, awesome. Jimmy Fallon. Oh, fabulous. Pink. Oh, really? Um, I'm trying to think of more. My favourite, Ringo Starr. Oh. Sir Paul McCartney. How the hell did Amy Sandler get there? I know. Plus, like, so many more. Oh, Simon Cow. Oh, cool. Uh, Justin Bieber. <laughs> Righto. Seal. Oh, cool. Oh, my God. This is so weird. <laughs> so funny. And there are so many stars. It just is like them taking the piss out of their own industry. That's pretty cool. No, I do it's really need to watch fantastic. it. fantastic. Andy Sandberg is very, very funny. It is so clever. And I just admire the fact that he has written the songs in this. Oh, yeah. And they there are is, so catchy, but they're so wrong. Of, and I'm like, why am I finding this so catchy? Oh, no, there oh, is so a couple good. of – I don't have my phone. I left it on your dining table. There are a couple of songs. Um, like he was like in a band or whatever. But like So Jack was telling me that band is the band in this, Star yeah, Boys. Yeah. Like that's not what his it band was, like was a, called. Yeah, but like a joke what they've band. done is yeah. they've also met, put his real joke band in, in the, the movie. movie. Yeah. It's but so like, meta. There's a couple of songs that I think, you know, like I knew or like that had gone viral or whatever, but I didn't realise that it was Andy Samberg. <laughs> so I'm going to, I don't remember what it is. I'll have to check. But um, yeah, Jack was showing them to me. Yeah. It's so funny. But yeah, you are going to love it. I was, we were just cackling the whole time. Well, because Jack so is funny. the one that got me onto Brooklyn Nine-Nine. I really? Think, yeah. What? I came over one day. I don't know, maybe you weren't home or something and like you or not home yet. Honestly. This is getting weird. No. No. <laughs> no the story doesn't end like that. Um <laughs> What? Oh my god. <laughs> no, um Get I've out come, of my house. I've come over a couple of times actually, just like and There's Michelle... one time that we got locked oh out because I gave you my key to let yourself in while neither of us were home. That's how much we trust you. I know. Well And then you put it in the bowl like like you should have, but I forgot that we went out and we got locked out. Yep, exactly. But um, no, there has been two times that I have come over and like you have not been home from work yet and Jack is like just here and I just like have a chat. He's cooking dinner or watching TV or whatever. So Brooklyn Nine-Nine and Shit's Creek I've watched because of Jack. I knew Shit's Creek but I honestly thought you'd watch Brooklyn Nine-Nine before. No, That's no. Hilarious. I mean my brother really likes it as well. Mm. But um, he's still trying to get me, and I will. I, I will that. watch it. But he tried to get God, the Michelle, first even time I he, watched it. Oh. No, the first time <laughs> he tried to get me to watch it, we'd only newly started dating, and it was that thing where you go over. Like I went over to his house to watch something, but we were so fresh, freshly dating that just we, couldn't stop talking. We couldn't stop talking, so it played like five episodes, and I was like, 
I don't know what's going on and I'm such a type A person that I need to watch. He just watches whatever. Mm. I need to watch it from the start unless it's like the IT crowd, which I've seen so many times that I can literally start at any point. But if it's the first time I'm watching something, yeah. must be in chronological order or my brain goes kaput. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, speaking of, yes. I found a new show, which I'm loving because it's the perfect kind of like uk drama that i love okay and it's actually not fun fact everybody i've been over at michelle's and we will like go to um get onto netflix to start watching crazy ex-girlfriend or something and you know how everyone has those netflix categories and most people just say comedies drama tv shows us tv shows michelle's will literally say uk uk british comedies with a strong female lead like that's how specific (laughs) and then they're like serial killer dramas you like uk serial killer dramas or like so this show, I'm taking a break from all the serial killer things I've been watching because I was getting quite bad nightmares last week after Mindhunter. <laughs> I literally had a dream where I was killing Pierce Brosnan because he was a serial killer. Oh, my God. I know. It was very scary. Wow. Uh, anyway, I was like, okay, I need to take a little bit of a break. And I had randomly recorded this show on BBC First, uh, which is called Love, Lies and Records. And the premise sounded a bit weird, but once I started watching it, I totally got into it. So it's set in a um, in a registry office. So they do births, deaths, and marriages, mm-hmm. and it's just the drama that goes. So the drama between the people who are working there, and there is some big stuff. Yeah, like this isn't a spoiler because it's in the first episode. It sets things up, but our main character who we're following has had an affair with someone, but she made the mistake of sleeping with them in the office, and her oh. rival in the office has the video. And then our main character gets the job that the rival wants. So of course, there's a bit of blackmail. Ooh, there's also dramatic. there's also I love a good office romance in TV shows. <laughs> yeah, I have to say, I really do. Well, there's also a um, character who is transitioning in, from being a man to a woman. Mm-hmm. So it's kind of dealing with that transition too, which I think is really good to see on TV. Yeah. Uh, and there's also the drama of the people who are coming into the registry office. So the first episode had me so, so teary because a man comes in to register the birth of his baby and is talking to the registrar and saying, oh, like my wife, like the place of birth is this hospice and hospices are where mm. palliative patients go. So uh, I think that's the right word that I just used. But um, the registrar says, look, who's the main character, we, we can um, – we can marry you today because that's like her dying wish is to get married. And so they organize this last minute wedding and then Aww. she dies right after. And then like in the next episode, he comes in to register her death. And it's oh just my God, so, that's sad. so sad. So like when I saw the thing, it was like in a registry office. I was like, yeah, I'll record it. But like this, but then it wasn't until I started seeing all that, that I understood how they were weaving in mm. the registry office stuff. It's really clever. Really and like, there's this sham marriage as well. And this immigration law stuff. So it's a bit, oh. like a bit dramatic, but it's not a crime drama. It's yeah. a drama also drama. A bit, like political. Yeah. yeah. Oh, it's, but it's, it's mostly about the people and it's, it's so, it's so cute. That sounds really interesting. Uh, yeah. I just got real. I was like, oh, I'll just watch this randomly while I'm doing some photo editing and stuff. And then I got really into it. And three cool. episodes later, I was like, oh, wow. Wow. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Um, 
The only other thing I wanted to mention that I've been really into lately is Armchair Expert with Dax Shepard, which is yes. Dax Shepard's new podcast, who we love because he's Kristen Bell's husband, not just because of that, because he's hilarious also, but, you know. <laughs> but mainly because he's married to Kristen yeah. Bell, so that makes him pretty cool, in my opinion. Yeah. Um, so, yes, there's – I'm, like t- – 15 minutes in maybe to his third episode so he mm-hmm. had Kristen on first which was what was it like it was a really nice insight into their relationship actually because like he has a little intro at the start of each episode and um in, <laughs> he and Kristen started recording and they were like in the middle of an argument <laughs> so they were just like not like arguing but like just a bit sort of like sharp with each other or whatever and they're just like talking and she was like no you're remembering it wrong or whatever talking about different parts of their relationship which was really interesting um yeah it was funny though because you will appreciate this you should listen to it but um Dax Shedwick said that when they first met she was on Veronica Mars or whatever so he watched it because like his girlfriend was in the show and then got really into it and became a full-on marshmallow and I was like, that's amazing. I love it. Speaking yeah. of, I still need to get you to watch season three. I know. So we can watch the movie together. <gasps> I know. Because um, yeah. Dax is also in the movie. It's so cute because he's like this creepy guy who's like pretending to hit on her and she's just like, get lost. And he's like being really creepy. And mm. I can just imagine they would have had so much fun oh, filming I it. I know. Well, that's like in, <laughs> is it when, when in Rome? That's the same yes. thing. Yes. Yeah. yeah. He's kind of like that. Just like really, he's like dancing at her. <laughs> so no funny. one can see the moves that I'm doing. But we should try and find the clip. Um to put yeah, in the show notes because so it's funny. really funny and she's just like no that's hilarious no um yeah so then his second guest was ashton kutcher because they worked together on punked um and his third that's guest so old now i know i've never seen an episode of punked but it was neither really, have i it was really really interesting because i've I always thought that ashton is really interesting as well mm. um and yeah he talked about that 70s show and the ranch and yeah it was really good um and his third episode is with joy bryant who played his wife on parenthood which i have also not watched but i really really need to watch you i always forget that he's love in love parenthood i know Parent, i like, will but I, yeah i don't know how to watch it actually yeah that's true i when i say i watched it like i watched it when it used to be like on when channel it was seven on TV. yeah yeah yeah, it's be- and it's I old that's the only show that I've ever watched fully without having gone from the start before. You know, I was telling you about my little. Oh yeah, that's the one where I started it in like season two or three, and so now I can't going. go back because I'm like it's too weird. No, so I just yeah. kept going, and then it was like two five one. I was like, no, I'll never go back. It's too <laughs> weird to see like um, all the kids back when they were little. I'm like, no, like in my mind, you're th- anyway. That's you so will funny. love it. though. I know I will. It's I just so, I really need to yeah. watch it. I love so many people who have been on that show. Anyway, so yeah, really, really good. Yeah. So now awesome. you can listen to a really, really good interview. Yeah, we're excited for this one. It was really fun to record and we hope you enjoy it. Joining us this week is a writer, editor and bookseller specialising in children's and young adult literature. She has studied history and French at the University of Melbourne and professional writing and editing at RMIT. She's based in Melbourne and her debut young adult novel, Untidy Towns, was loved by both of us here at Better Words. Welcome to the podcast, Kate O'Donnell. Thank you so much for having me. It's our pleasure. Um, thank you so much for joining us. Um, even though you're traveling and stuff like that, we really appreciate it. Oh, well, uh, it's so awesome to now get to beam in from somewhere else. It's really cool. <laughs> yeah, I know. I keep thinking about that. We've probably in, like, you know, we've interviewed a fair few people now and it's like, we've had some international guests, people who are 
you know, in all sorts of states and you know, yeah. all sorts of states in different mental states. and physical. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. It's like oh, <laughs> liquid. Like I don't know. Anyway, <laughs> I meant in different states of Australia. That's not what I said. But well, yeah. half an hour ago we were on the beach in Tasmania, and now we're back at our house, and it's just started raining. So it's oh, pretty that amazing. Sounds nice. Yeah, this is yeah. the first time we've had anyone from Tasmania, so that's great. Yeah. Well, I wish I was a real Tasmanian. <laughs> Um, so something we both loved about Untidy Towns was the tiny country town setting. Um, why did you want to set your debut in rural Australia? Oh, well, well, it definitely wasn't intentional that I set out to write my first book set in, in a rural town, but I've always been obsessed by them. I grew up, um, outside of Geelong, um, in, which is near Melbourne, Mm -hmm. um, but it wasn't really a town. It was just the middle of nowhere, 20 minutes from town. Um, but yeah, I just love the community that a small town sort of naturally just builds around itself. And I really wanted to, because I really wanted to explore intergenerational friendships and, and relationships in untidy towns, it makes sense to have it in a small town because people naturally are thrown together. And I think it'll be something that I want to do a lot, but um, there's more to Australian small towns, but I'm glad that I got to do it. Yeah, I think you're right, though. Like in a sort of small town, I guess in smaller groups, you know, you sort of tend to become friends with everybody and there's that classic, oh, everyone knows everyone in a small town sort of thing. Yeah, Yeah. even in a small city like where we live. (laughs) I swear to God, all roads lead back to Rockhampton. I know, it's ridiculous. Um, So how important then, I mean, even though you said it wasn't intentional, how important do you think it is that, rural and regional areas are represented in stories especially in young adult well I think like and and it works especially for untidy towns because Adelaide I think always probably as a young person like her friends when she goes back to Emmyvale wants to get out of the country town and to experience life beyond it but I really wanted to focus on the fact that really great things can happen within your town and I'm I do think that as as the years go by Australian country towns are connected to the rest of the world by the internet or by people moving back there and um yeah and so I just feel it's really important to give stories back to the kids who or to the teenagers reading them who might be stuck feeling stuck in their country towns that actually there's some really amazing things that happen there but also that there is on it yeah. If that makes sense. Yeah, I think I know what you mean. I mean, we um, Rockhampton is a fair big, fair amount yeah. bigger than um, Emmyvale, <laughs> but um, people still have that. I guess sort of, I don't know what the word is. Like they, you know, people they want to like, they want to leave Rockhampton. They want to, you know, move to Brisbane or move to Sydney or yeah. whatever. And then, and there are some pretty cool things that go on here. And um, even though I guess it's more city than um, a smaller town but I loved there was a scene in Untidy Towns where like all of like the like their friendship group in the year 12s and they like had a camping trip like yeah. in like the back of someone's property and like I've done that yeah that yeah, definitely so still fun. happens here yeah yeah that was the first scene I wrote in in Untidy Towns way oh, back really? then and it was originally going to be the opening scene um and yeah it was it's funny there's a whole bunch of Untidy Towns that is it didn't end up where I thought it would in the story. So it's kind of fun. I like to know that it, things came at the start. But, um, and half of the New Year's party was part of the, um, 
camping scene and oh yeah it was really funny just all the way things I'm not so good at plotting so when my editor and I were working it out um she was recommending things and I was like oh but they're supposed to go together they go camping and then they go skinny dipping and she was like nah <laughs> let's see if they can do it at different different times but yeah exactly and I hope that um kids in regional re- readers in regional areas will recognize the the things that they do and kind of recognize how cool like the growing up is in a small town, like it, even me when it wasn't a town, but we would just stay out, camp out all night, even though it was just in the back paddock and it was so much fun. Yeah, it's heaps of fun. <laughs> um, well, I guess one of the other major themes in Untidy Towns is sort of that, you know, on what happens, you know, in like the next stage of your life and for the characters, it's that they're graduating high school. Um, Addie particularly really struggles with finding, you know, finding her direction. She doesn't know what to do and she has sort yeah. of like this gap year almost. Yeah. Um, yeah. Is Why did you want to write about that particular experience? Is that something that you had when you were that age? Um, kind of. I went to a private school um, where my dad taught, which is always different to going, being sent to a private school because you can afford it. Um, and... I, I found, like, I, I did enjoy my final two years of school, so it's not autobiographical in that sense, but I always had a feeling that I was being taught for an exam, not taught for, like, getting my curiosity sort of happening and learning about how to question the world or learning even more about the world. It was sort of like, you're learning for this test that will then get you into university and then and then there was no sort of, and then after that, what will happen? And so I was kind of, yeah, like I think kind I of said a- um, before that Addie is like the braver version of me. Like she actually was mm-hmm. like, no, I'm not enjoying this and it's making me stressed and so I'm not going to do it. <laughs> um, yeah. And, yeah, so that's where that came from. Why was that something that you did want to explore? Um, I guess it's so confusing for so many young people yeah. and, and why was that something that you wanted well, to kind I, of get I out think, through your words? Sorry, I think it's the sense of failing and that you do have this pressure on yourself and you think, oh, my God, if I don't do well this year, I'm going to have ruined all my chances in life. And so I really wanted to explore the the fact that perhaps not doing what's expected of you or maybe not doing as well as you would hope, I hope that's not too much of a spoiler, but... um. It's not the end of the world and, in fact, it's just one year and there's so many opportunities and so many different ways to learn and to grow and to be a person that, that um, if, yeah, if you fail at one thing, like you fail a subject or you fail your VCE or, you know, your final year certificate, it's, it's not a big deal and there's so much of the world to see beyond it. Yeah. That's so I can, true. I completely agree. Like it's so easy once you have sort of, I guess, moved past that, particular like once you've graduated high school or once you're sort of past it you can be like oh my god there's so much pressure on kids oh so I know I would have ignored that like there's no way to exactly there's no way to sort of tell that to kids like actually a couple of months ago for my work I had to go I had to like represent the company at like this weird thing where like um oh the careers yeah it was like a career thing it's done by someone that at my work yeah so it was like I don't know we were like there was like all these career people like standing in a circle and like the kids were in a circle and they just like moved around and talked to us for like like five minutes okay and um my boss was supposed to go and he was in Brisbane or something so I went and I didn't really know what the event was about or whatever and then so I probably didn't do a very good job but I just told every single kid that came past me because I was I'm only 
21. I was, yeah. you know, only four or five years older than them. Yeah. And I was like, I didn't choose my course until the day QTAC was due. And I just kept yeah. telling that to every kid yeah. that went I past. Kept, I literally, oh, awesome. I'm, I'm sorry if I'm like, saying this again like podcast listeners I've probably said this before but I literally picked my um, degree out of a book because we got this talk at school about scholarships for a particular university and I was flipping through and it was telling you all the courses oh sorry all the classes that you would do within a bachelor and I was like oh this sounds kind of cool and it was a bachelor of journalism and I was like it kind of sounds like like I'd something like I'd it. be interested yeah. in yeah and um so I just picked it and like thank God it worked because, um, I, there was no plan B. (laughs) Yeah, there was, there was no plan B and there was no thought that I, like, I, I would have been very hard on my, myself if I thought that I had failed in any way. I was the person who put the most pressure on myself at high school and I probably wouldn't have listened to my advice now, which is just to kind of go with the flow a bit more. (laughs) Yeah. I don't Um, think any teacher would. (laughs) You can't put an old head on young shoulders. <laughs> I kind of, I hope, of course, I hope that reading Untidy Towns will make people feel like comforted or, you know, kind of inspired anyway. But of course it won't because everyone's going to have that, their own experience, their own challenge. But maybe, you know, in the back of their mind somewhere, it might in, infect their subconscious and they'll just sort of be like, no, it's okay. I'll take a gap year or. I'll pick a subject that I'm good at, but that doesn't get scaled up. I don't know if that happens in Queensland, but with our subjects, if you do maths, you get extra points because it's a difficult subject or a foreign language or science. But like I did history and we got scaled down. And so it was just like, oh, what a ridiculous thing. Oh, yeah, we had I scaling. Know. I think I got scaled down because I did home ec. But yeah. I worked really hard on that. And, I, like, and it's hard. Some people wouldn't be yeah. able to do home ec. I can't. I couldn't. Yeah, yeah, I definitely got scaled down because in the, I in my senior I did home ec and drama were two of my like extra subjects and yeah. I didn't do like the hard maths or whatever. But yeah, I studied no. communications. It's I, fine. I dropped I dropped out of the hard maths and went back to maths A, which is yeah. just basic Formal because math, my yeah. mum was like, you you were just struggling with it, I'm and my mum was yeah. like, nothing that you are even apl- like thinking of applying to for uni is going to require the that level of maths just ease the pressure. And I did like two histories and I would have done English extension if I could have, Yeah, but it wasn't an option. But it's even yeah, too much just, pressure on picking your bloody subjects. I know there was so, cause it's like, Oh, you're what I, what age are you when you pick your subjects here? You're like 14 yeah, and you're picking your senior school subjects yeah. and it's like gonna set you up for what you can or can't study after uni like yeah. it's just it's, it's ridiculous it's so funny and then I think of like you you both saying you know you picked your courses at the last minute and they turned out to be exactly the right ones whereas yeah I, I just I knew that I wanted to do an arts degree and so I just worked for the grades to get that and I got them and but and I loved my arts degree, but it doesn't really get you anywhere. And so I then had to go back and do my professional writing and editing. And that's how I got my job in publishing. But you just sort of think you go to uni at 18 or 19 and you do your three-year bachelor's course. And then perhaps you still don't know what you're interested in. Hopefully you found something yeah, what at that time saying? that it has interested you and perhaps you do a different course or it's the yeah. perfect course for you. I don't know. But it just seems so ridiculous to me that we're supposed to choose our careers at 18 um, I know yeah even, yeah it's crazy I know because even I guess lots of people and I had a similar sort of thing but like lots of people would have this oh what comes next after uni yeah. rather than like after high school because mm. um 
Oh, it's like one of those things. It's like, oh, your degree doesn't come with instructions. <laughs> like, yeah, you know, I know. And you I, do it. Yeah. Oh, what and I would be one of the very few people that I graduated with who ended up working, like that graduated from the Bachelor of Journalism with me, yeah. who ended up working as a journalist and like, I love it. Yeah. But um, there are a lot of, and like you probably found this too in communications, Caitlin, like a lot of people. Oh, half the people very... I went to uni with work at the paper with Michelle. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. <laughs> yeah, um, they did comms and then worked in journalism. Yeah, which I guess is the good thing about doing a degree like, um, communications is that if you're not quite sure, yeah. you can kind of start to figure it out at uni. Yeah. What, you know, what bits yeah. like Caitlin, you probably found like, you know, like the journalism side as much, but you like the, um, like marketing. And yeah, exactly. so sometimes going to uni helps, but then sometimes it makes it way more confusing. Yeah. And I also, <laughs> and I think yeah, there's an expectation that you will, sorry, there's an expectation that you will go to uni as well. Yeah. That's exactly what I was going to say. Just so <laughs> I, cause I'm really like Jared, the character of Jared was so important to the story and I kind yeah. of wish I'd been able to give him a little bit more screen time because I think that the kids who, so I keep saying kids, that's so condescending. Um, <laughs> People who finish high school or perhaps it's not for them and they, they leave. There were a couple of guys I was at high school with who left in year 10 and it's been really – Facebook has been so amazing because I've been able to reconnect with a few of these people because I went to school in the late 90s, um, being able to connect with them and seeing students who the teachers had kind of given up on. They just thought they were bad kids or not smart enough yeah. and to see how successful they've become in an industry. Like they might have – wafted around for a few years being like terrible teenagers like we all were but like it's so yeah. amazing and I, I went back to I, there was this one guy I went to high school with and he has this great job and he's got this lovely family now and I just went to my dad and I was like have you seen what's become of this guy that you know you said was a real troublemaker <laughs> my dad loves the troublemakers <laughs> but he was just so pleased to see that you know he'd done so well and it was really cool and so with yeah. Jared yeah I just, I just wanted him People really surprise yeah. you once you finish yeah. high school. Yeah. yeah. I think it may be a little bit, it may be, it'd be really interesting to find out um, people's perspectives who went to high school in cities as well. I'd like them to like tweet us and let us know. But um, I think in our regional um, city, because it's in central Queensland and it's very much a mining town, it's very accepted for a lot of the guys to do um, like apprenticeships yep. and like my, my partner's a diesel fitter and stuff. Like it's very common for young guys especially to get a, get a trade and like work in the mines or work in a mining-related industry. And obviously that's um, something that's just because of our location. I'd mm. love to know like is our apprenticeships a thing that are as promoted as much in oh, – I can't get my words out today. Are apprenticeships things that are – as promoted in in cities or metropolitan areas yeah, because or is it all about getting like a business degree <laughs> yeah, yeah because like surely they don't have the places that like they can train and like uh, we also have yeah. people who would go to TAFE like one day a week yeah. and yeah. do like while also doing their high school and you finish high school but you don't do like an OP you do like mm. a vocational certificate and yeah, stuff. Yeah we have that um, here in Geelong where I grew up so it's out of Melbourne and it's a it's a city but it's a smaller one and the guys who did apprenticeship 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 that's not the word anyway <laughs> <laughs> 
Uh, I just had a little brain fart. Um, anyway, the guys who went out to get a trade at, at 15, it was sort of um, building or carpentry or electricians and that's the sort of trades they went to rather than the big mining um, or if like out in Gippsland in Victoria that a lot of people working in the mines or the paper factory and, yeah. So definitely happened yeah, in um, the like- area, but not so much in Melbourne. Sorry. <laughs> Sorry, bless you, Caitlin. I think, I think here too, like with the with the mining boom, it became like a very interesting, interesting thing where you know often those that was seen as a much more lucrative career um, than if you were going to go to university. That was kind of a waste, not not a waste of money, but you weren't going to be earning. Whereas these guys who are doing apprenticeships would be earning straight away and would be working Mm -hmm. in the mines and potentially earning a lot more. Obviously with the broom comes the bust and things have been harder at the moment. But um, it's definitely like they are putting on more and more apprentices just locally at the moment, like the place where my yeah. partner works. They are most people there are working six days a week and um, they are constantly putting on, I think they put on the most apprentices they have in about four or five years. Um, so it's definitely like apprenticeships are definitely a pathway. Yeah. I think in regional areas, that are you're encouraged yeah, into. And what yeah. about the girls? Are they encouraged to take a job? Well, um, see, that's the thing. I feel like, I mean, I feel this especially in my grade. Um, this is a couple of years ago. I feel like half the people I went to high school with either did nursing or engineering. Yep. And then there was a few who did comms or business or whatever. And but I that is like also because our university is well known as specialising well in for those two, okay. those two things. Um, I went to an all-girls school, so I have a different perspective on this, which is that they really, really promoted the idea of vet education, if like as in vocational education, um, if if you weren't as academic. Like obviously being a private school, they were um, pushing us to get, well, not pushing us, I was putting the most pressure on myself, but it was about getting high academic standards. But I know a lot of like there were people in my grade who did um, – for example, there was one person who went to went to uni after school and studied pharmacy and got into the industry that way. There was also someone who I went to school with who did one day a week TAFE and started in the pharmacy oh, industry yeah. that way yeah. as well. Um, and yeah, so and um, we had a. Well, I know that it's expanded since I went there, but um, being a boarding school in Central Queensland as well, we have a lot of girls who come from agricultural yes. backgrounds um, who come and board in the city, uh, and they would. A lot of them did like um, agriculture subjects and and often did um, extra training yep. in that Definitely. sense. Um, but yeah, we actually had like quite a lot of girls. There was there was a hospital, yeah. there was home ec, which I did, and there was a hospitality class where you could actually earn your, uh, I think it's like a cert two or cert three mm-hmm. in hospitality through oh, wow. school. Um, wow. Yeah, so there are there were different ways, that different pathways, and they like I was lucky at my school that they were very big on finding the right pathway for you, and I think that that was that was the benefit for me going to a private school was that it was very yeah. small so they could very much drill down and be like hey if you're finding the academic work hard maybe we can help you on a different yeah, path that's awesome. um, that's yeah awesome. yeah but I don't know what it'd be like I think I think overall I think it's more accepted that boys do trades and girls go to uni yeah that's yeah. really interesting and I wonder what the statistics say I'm not sure if more women enroll at university than men I don't, I don't know 
pretty sure it's mm. I'm pretty sure more women women even are just in just anecdotally like most of my classes were girls. Most of our newsroom now is girls, but obviously most management in journalism is still men. men. It's really, yeah, it's really interesting because, like, the people going through are all girls mostly. Mm, yeah. So, yeah. Mm, just a bit of food for thought for everyone. Yeah. <laughs> um, anyway, um, getting back to your career, Kate. Um, so I was doing some reading and I saw that you've actually worked as a bookseller since you were 14. Um, and I guess that's why you said you kind of knew what you wanted to do a little bit as well. Um, but I'm really interested to find out from your perspective how the industry's changed since you started working in it. Oh, I think we've, I think because me growing up in the industry or, you know, since I was 14 working in it, we've had such a technological advance in terms of the internet. I love how connected the industry has become globally and even just in Australia with the Love Oz YA movement, that's really exciting. Um, and being able to talk to people about books everywhere has kind of opened it up a little, which is really cool. Um, it's also seen the advent of Amazon, which I think has been like a terrible and a great thing. Um, for the publishing industry, it's actually been a really terrible thing. We're seeing publishing houses grow and grow and we've dominated by, you know, they call it the big five. But even then, Amazon's demands mm. are really tightening. Like they're asking for such enormous discounts that we can't really even afford to publish books. It's, it's I kind of still blowing my mind and I'm doing a lot of reading about it. Um, I'm worried that we're just going to have to focus on publishing the big blockbusters that earn money because people aren't really, I don't know. It's so interesting. Now I've just started this like line of thought and I'm not going to be able to do it in a satisfying way for you. I'm so sorry. <laughs> um, no, I know we've both been getting pretty interested in that more recently as well. Like how, you know, how do we continue to support the industry and support authors if, I don't know, I can't, I don't even know how. <laughs> I know. In my first couple of years um, as a bookseller, when uh, as an adult bookseller working in um, Melbourne, the we had the first um, Love Your Bookshop Day. It was used to be called um, something else, just been changed to Love Your Bookshop Day. And it was in response to a, a government minister saying independent bookshops are going to die within five years. And it's actually just been five years since he said that. And it's so satisfying that indie bookshops. <laughs> yeah. They have a similar thing in the UK, which is um, Books Are My Bag. And yeah. they do like shopping events and stuff like that. Yeah, it's really cool. Um, and I think, you know, we, with, we've seen the collapse of Red Group with borders and everything in this country. And it's now ad, the advent of Amazon is really interesting. And I always used to, you know, tell my friends, don't shop at Amazon, blah, blah, blah. It's not actually, I don't think it's the people buying from Amazon that actually the problem now. It's now being in publishing and seeing the discounts that Amazon are demanding from publishers. Um, that Like it's a bigger problem. So it's a, something we all have to confront as an industry unless, you know, yelling at your friend for buying on book depository. <laughs> I still do that. but <laughs> um, And so, yeah, it's been really great working in the indie book. I think I also live in a little bit of a bubble working in an indie bookshop. And we have all our customers who can afford to come in and buy five books a week, blah, blah, blah. So. <laughs> um, we were talking about something in one of our episodes. Um, we aired it last week but by the time we air this episode it will have been a little while ago and we were talking about the news from the I think the Guardian reported it but it was a movement in the UK questioning whether indie books oh gosh <laughs> I 
one of those days, whether indie booksellers should form like a union Mm -hmm. and whether that would help against things like Waterstones and WH Smith over there. Um, What's your view on that? Do you think that that is something that could be useful or is that going to create more problems with the authors themselves? Oh, how so do you think with authors? Um, Well, it still, I guess, doesn't solve the problem, which I was going to ask you later on as well about how you make a living as an author. (laughs) Um, We'll get to that later. (laughs) First of all, um, with the indie bookshops, I think there is, I think there's a sense of collegiality that's really important and our Australian Booksellers Association is fantastic. They're the ones who run the bookshop day and the kids reading guide which is terrific for um, for children's book writers. Um, and I was talking to Lisa Lambert, who runs a little book room down here in Melbourne, and she's just been to a conference in the US about this very thing. And so the American Booksellers Association has an enormous amount of money um, in order to offer grants for booksellers to work with each other and sort of do um, bookshop exchanges and see how other people work to try to build their businesses and so it's something that I'm definitely interested in. And obviously the UK is feeling the same. Um, uh, it's kind of like a watch this space for me because I haven't looked into it enough. Um, but, yeah, definitely a, a time for, yeah, for coming together. I think in general, like sort of our world, we need to talk to people and talk to one another um, in order to kind of defeat the machine. It sounds kind of dramatic, but um we had a um, for my little publishing company that I work with we had a road show to sort of just show off some of our new titles coming out this year and talking to the booksellers who came along they wouldn't like they needed us to tell them in person what our books were for in order for them to get behind them and that's a bookshop that sold more than 10 copies of a book that we published we've known someone there or they've personally sort of got in touch and said how much a book meant to them and it is those human connections that are selling books which means that we need to make more connections. Yeah, yeah, it's definitely not the same buying in a bookshop and the buying online. I can't recommend it? you something that you'll love. They're not, by chance, yeah. they're not going to mean it. Yeah, I mean, buying buying books online, like, you know, it's good because, like, you get new books and shopping online is like sending a present oh, to yourself. It's but... so convenient. I love shopping online. <laughs> especially when you live in a regional area but then going to like a really nice bookshop and you can just like walk around and look at all the books and you discover so many that you didn't even know existed and it's so nice see for us that is a total treat that is like we only get to do that when we go to brisbane like it is so rare for us to be able to do that because we don't have any indie bookstores here and i was amazed and you know, in love with the UK for so many reasons. But one of the things I loved is the number of independent bookstores they had that I would just spend hours and hours in them and they were just gorgeous. And I just thought like how much I would have loved growing up with one of them. I know. I mean, we had a Dimmicks, but it's still not quite the same as a little, oh, these bookstores were just like picture perfect (laughs) little shop windows and it was just so cute. And that's where I was like, I just want to run away to England and be a bookseller and live in a bookstore. Actually, there is a really cool Airbnb where you can stay for a week free. Yeah, yeah, we should should link it. But um, you can stay for a week free, but you run the bookshop. That's awesome. I know, I want to do that one day. That would be a dream. (laughs) I I live in my little bubble. I'm so spoiled for choice with independent bookshop. It's like, which one am I going to go? to tomorrow in melbourne (laughs) yeah so we are very very jealous of that um but i think like like we just mentioned before as well something that's interesting then is 
you know, even if independent booksellers are to work together to kind of compete with the big discounts that other retailers offer and mm-hmm. stuff, that still doesn't solve the problem of the money for authors. So um, obviously you work in, uh, like you said, as a bookseller and also with an independent uh, with a publishing house. Um it's obviously really difficult for people to be authors these days without having another job. And then that takes away from your creative output as well. So how do you see that affecting the Australian arts industry and what can we do to change, if anything? I don't have a good answer for that. Um, I, th- I totally agree. I, am, I work two jobs and I write on the side and I volunteer for the Australian Children's Laureate as well, which it so much time consumed for these incredible jobs that I can't even imagine giving up. Um, as far as making a living as a writer goes, that is yet to be seen for me, whether I'll even make any more money um, apart from the advance that I get, got for my book, which was actually a really generous advance um, in the Australian publishing industry terms. Um, I think it's a, a, like a question of s- selling volumes of books. We A normal print run for a YA book is, you know, less than 5,000 copies in this country and in America it'd be a minimum of probably 10 or or 20,000. So literally we just have this tiny industry. So I I don't know if Mm. it's It's kind of impossible, um, an impossible dream unless you are one of the big authors, you know, Andy Griffiths and and Terry Denton with their Treehouse series or um, one of the incredible adult Mm. crime writers that we've got or Aaron Blaby. These people who've had great success um, and they've managed to do it somehow um, through talent and luck because it is luck as well you can be as talented as can be and still not sell mm. as, book, as, as many books as you'd like um, mm. and so I think you're right it's about um, everyone getting together and sort of supporting their favorite authors and buying their books as presents these, these are tiny little things that you can do but um, I, I don't know and if someone could find out the answer and tell me that would be really amazing <laughs> <laughs> yeah I know. If only we could just figure it out and then we can solve all the world's problems. <laughs> yeah, what I have seen yeah. um, in recent years is Australian authors having a lot of success selling their foreign rights, um, so selling books, their books and getting them published in America and um, throughout Europe and in translation, which is so cool. When you, you know, I think Melissa Keel resold um, a version of her book and now I can't even remember where it came out. It was like Russia or something really cool like that. Mark Martin, his picture book's in Russia oh, now awesome. and that's really cool. And um but I am, my only reservation with this is I know that a lot of authors are then asked to tweak their books for the American market. And so they're Americanized. This is our pet peeve. Oh this is our pet peeve. <laughs> we such issues with this. American books don't I get don't, tweaked I learned what a Twinkie was and what Tootsie Rolls were when I read the Baby Club books. Exactly. They can it's learn called, what Vegemite and Fairy Bread is. It's called Google. I know. Like these days I don't understand why we still have to pander yeah, to that I market. <laughs> Yeah. We're both sitting here like, oh, <laughs> we're, we're just like, oh. But then at oh, the same time, that's how Australian shaking. authors are making their money. And so it can't be, yeah, it has yeah. to be done. I mean, that's, that's yeah. fine. That's yeah. good. I just. I'm all happy for that, but like, America's <laughs> so selfish. I know. I wish they could just be appreciated for the Australian. Like, yeah, like, the Australian makes them. And I know, because, like, people in the UK. They want to read books that yeah. are like Australian yeah. and they love that. Like my UK friends love that. And likewise, I love reading their books because I want to read something that's 
thoroughly British British with all their British mannerisms Mm -hmm. and they love it when I give them books that are totally Australian and I try and seek out authors who I know have got little Australian things in there that they're going to really enjoy. Yeah, like having Milo (laughs) afternoon tea or something. Yeah, exactly. And I always tag them in like those buzz. I was just going to say maybe it's just the beginning and, you know, they're sort of Kath Crowley and Simone Howell, they're all like paving the way in the States with their slightly tweaked books. Um, just And then the Americans will get to know us and they'll be like, oh, give us the real you. We can wear our pyjamas and have our Milo <laughs> and Vegemite toast as well. I know, I understand. <laughs> yeah. I like to... I like to think that, but then somehow I'm like, they haven't bothered until this point doing anything other than stereotyping us. So why would they start now? Like part of me is just like, "Mm." it will happen eventually. I had Mm. a a very interesting conversation with a French publisher. I was in France two years ago and we had lunch and she was talking about in France, it's very traditional for books to have very, very plain covers. Often a publishing house will sort of have a format, even for their cover design. That's just, you know, it's from that particular publishing house. And she, how jealous she is of all the UK covers that were so beautiful and bright and each book looked so individual. Um, and I've noticed even in France, um, they've started designing their covers more like we do and like in the UK and the States. And it's so things change and people respond to it. And it's, yeah, so we're not incapable of change in publishing, but I think it has been a really big learning curve over the last 10, 15 months. Oh, exactly. Yeah. We've had so much change so quickly um, and it's almost impossible to keep up. So Yeah, exactly. Um, I'll give it a couple more years. <laughs> <laughs> no, you're part of the change. You know, we'll talk about it. And I do and know she's... I do know a lot of American bloggers, especially when I started, who would spend so much money getting stuff from like um, Fish Pond and things yeah. like that so yeah. they could get the Australian version. I was actually um, really disappointed. We um, spoke to Gabrielle Williams and I had read her first book, Beetle Meets Destiny, and borrowed it from my school library. And after yes. that I was like, oh, I really need to track down an Australian copy. But because it's out of print, I couldn't find it anywhere. So I finally found some secondhand American copy um, oh from God. Amazon that I finally tracked down and I was like well this yeah. is great because I get to read the book again but I was like part of me was really disappointed because I'm like oh it's the American version mm. yeah. and is it different to the Australian version um I haven't I mean to be honest I probably won't tell because I read the Australian version yeah, like oh, when I was in grade nine yeah um yeah. so a while ago um and I'm sure it will still be wonderful but there was part of me that was just like oh I want the I know that things will be different and I'm not even going to know what they are, but it's going to annoy me. Yeah, exactly. You <laughs> That's re- such a great read it I remember when that came out. Oh, you'll read it and they'll call, you know, she'll refer to like having peppers in her stir fry oh. or something and you'll be like, dude, there it is. <laughs> Apart from the fact that I really, really dislike American spelling of things as well. Yeah. <laughs> oh. Oh, yeah, it's, it's just, wrong. Yeah, it's, just, it's such a bugbear of mine. We're like all complaining about how Americans don't care about Australia and we're just sitting here complaining about them. Yeah, so hypocritical. <laughs> it's, anyway. it's so hard though because one of my one of my favourite podcasts is my favourite murder and I can't even hashtag it properly without spelling favourite wrong because yeah. it's spelled the American <laughs> way. <laughs> Damn it. Oh. Anyway, um, what are you working on at the moment? Have you got any exciting things coming up for the rest of the year? Yeah, so this year I'm getting to do a few author events, which is really exciting. I um, 
was on an industry panel for Alex and Sarah from the YA room, um, their YA day recently, which was so oh, much fun. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. It was a really, really great day. That sort of stuff on social media. One of these other yeah. things that we do not live in Melbourne for. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> book events. Yeah. People have started putting their um, vlogs up of the day so you can get a good taste of what happened. Oh, good. Yeah. I'll have to um, check. Yeah. And so that was great. And I'm going. I'm coming to Queensland to the Somerset um, Festival of Children's Literature for the first time, which is really exciting. I've heard from a lot of authors that it's the best festival of the year. Um. And so I'm pretty nervous about that and presenting to high school students for the first time. Uh, for my job at the bookshop, I do a lot of talks to primary school students. So I'm pretty comfortable with that. But I think high school students can be a bit mean. So we'll see how it goes. Um, <laughs> oh, no, I hope not. <laughs> no, they'll be wonderful. Uh, I'm really, really looking forward to it. Um, and I, I, when I got my publishing contract for Untidy Towns, they signed me up for a two book deal. So I am working on another oh, book yay. are we allowed to get like a little taster of what you're working on <laughs> well um what I'm working on at the moment is another YA about a, a young um girl from probably from urban Melbourne I haven't quite decided where she's from yet but she goes on exchange to Paris oh um, love it. Cool. Yeah, I love it so much art and politics <laughs> and Paris because I'm obsessed with France I, I, li- I used to live there so I want to you know use a bit of my experience and yeah, exactly. That would be great. That's the plan. <laughs> so hopefully this year there is a trip to France for me <laughs> happening. I don't know if that'll happen, but we'll give it a go. Oh yay, that sounds great. Oh wonderful. Well, thank you so much for joining us. Kate, where can people find you if they want to follow you? I am on Instagram and Twitter as at readingkate. Um, and my website, katedonald.com.au. And please befriend me on twitter i'm really enjoying having conversations with people and butting in on people's hashtag pc's creek um watching, <laughs> I don't know if you've been watching along with the girls yeah our good friend danielle binks is leading that i think she has i saw her the other night um it's on twitter where did i go to jody McAllister's book launch for ironheart i went to last week and saw some great people that was fun <laughs> oh wonderful <laughs> Uh, but yeah, thank you for having me on your on your podcast. It's really exciting. Oh, it is absolutely so our pleasure. To have you. Thank you. Thank and you. Thank so you for much. reading my book. Oh my god, that's what I meant to say at the start. I'm so grateful to people <laughs> for taking the time to read it. <laughs> I must. I think that that must be a weird feeling, like talking to people and being like, "You've read my book." <laughs> that is. I feel so weird when I know. Like there are people I know who've listened to our podcast. I'm like, oh, yeah. listen to our podcast. Oh, I did just sort of sit back the other day and say, why, why did I do that? I wrote something down and then I published it for anybody to read. That was crazy. Why did I do that? But, uh, why do people do this? Why do people read them? What is going on? Why are we doing this podcast? Because oh. we just love <laughs> Why are we here? Oh. Uh, Caitlin, where can people find us if they want to follow us? At Better Words Pod, Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Um, please tweet us. Please leave us a review. Please sign up to our newsletter, betterwordspodcast.com. And oh, we should say bye. I forgot to say bye. Oh, whatever. Uh, bye. Bye. <laughs> anyway. Okay, um, we'll stop the recording. And then-